Get to the church blind! Get to the church blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. Hey, church planner, this is Peyton Jones, and I am here with a special guest today. And here's the deal. We, we haven't run this for probably about, I don't know, five weeks. Um, you, you, I've been kind of quiet about it. I mean, I got a book that, that just came out. Um, you know, I never talk about this, didn't make any big deal about this at all. It's called Reaching the Unreached, Becoming Raiders of the Lost Art. And so during that month, I have taken off just to uh, promote and do all that. So some of you guys thought, you know, maybe even though Pete's not on this, I got emails where people are like, are you and Pete still friends? Are you guys okay? Just been super busy with uh, the release of the book. And what's kind of cool today is my guest also has a book that came out recently um, that she has co-written, uh, and I want to just kind of pick her brain about some of the stuff that, uh, that, that, that she's an expert on. And so here's the deal. Um, my guest today is Christiana Rice and her book is co-written with a good friend of the podcast, Michael Frost, and it's called Altering Your World. She is also, uh, involved in a ministry in San Diego called Thresholds. And we want to hear a little bit about that, maybe a lot about that. And um, here, you know, her passion is uh, really impacting neighborhoods and community involvement. And of course, that's just kind of like, you know, the, the, the close cousin to church planning. It, you guys know that the way to reach a city is to serve it. The way to reach an individual is to serve them. The way to, way to reach a neighborhood is to serve it. And uh, so any, hey, any, any, hey, any, hey, I made up a word. Can I do that? Any, hey, that's like when people invented putting dogs in their purses. You can just make stuff up. It's cool. So anyways, my guess is Christiana Rice. Christiana, welcome to this crazy little thing we call Hardcore Church hey, Thanks. Thanks. Glad so, to be here. And any, hey, you know. <laughs> so, hey, you got this book. Um, any, hey, you got this book and it's called <laughs> Altering Your World. Tell us. To, to alter your world, just for the oh, Google, those are going to Google it. Close, start, close no, though. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. You know, we had a crazy wild ride. And it's funny because we talked to Michael a little bit about this book as well. So uh, I should have that down. I have it sitting right here on my desk. So uh, my apologies. <laughs> yes, to alter your world. And uh, anyways, how did, how did you, we'll, we'll talk about the book. How did you hook up with, with Frosty? <laughs> Well, you know, um, actually, I've known him for a good 10 years, maybe 10 years plus, kind of fuzzy. Uh, it started off probably as a lot of us. I read um, several of his early books, um, especially to The Shaping of Things to Come with Alan Hirsch was a formative book for me personally, as well as um, some of the work we were doing in, in church 
um, planting and leadership development. So um, we, we I, I guess we overlapped at a few conferences over the last 10 years. And then there's a conference called the Inhabit Conference in Seattle, Washington. And um, I, that year, I was doing leading and teaching some workshops, but I was also hosting the conference. So I had the opportunity of interview or basically um, introducing Michael to to the to the conference and through that process we kind of we started to sit together we kind of hit it off I went to several of his workshops as well and um, from there it was kind of a, a curious odd bizarre question of what would it look like if we kind of experimented and and um, thought about writing together and and the funny thing is he approached me and he asked me um, you know I'd be interested in writing with you that is if you're any good at writing and I'm like, well, I mean, <laughs> no, I guess that's up to you. So I sent him some of my stuff and we both felt like it was um, so crazy enough to try and we just kept moving forward and things. It really, it really felt like um, just one of those things, an unexpected, uh, you know, paths you start following that, um, you know, you're kind of anticipating it to shut down at some point and it never did. And it actually started off as a, um, a project that I would sort of write stories for a book he was writing. And then it morphed into this really robust co-written effort. Yeah. That's cool. So you had a lot of stories on the ground then. Yeah, I did. And I mean, also, you know, Mike has also traveled and is in, in, in deep connection with a lot of people doing some pretty remarkable things in church planning and community development work. So we, we got to collaborate even on a lot of our stories as well. And, um, but most importantly, I think I I got to tell my friends stories and stories that are often off the grid and not, not necessarily told. I think that they're, they're incredibly tangible. I, I feel they're stories that people can grab onto and say, and yet they're not meant to be prescriptive. So it's not, Oh good. Okay. I'm going to go see what this church did or this group did. And now we're going to go do the exact same thing. What we try to do is kind of pull out what was the essence and how mm. did these people actually, you know, what was their process and how did they listen to God to know what step to take next? Um, and it's a very contextualized book. So, you know, helping people say, how do we learn from one another and glean wisdom without over, you know, prescribing what it looks like to go plant um, a church or community, um, a, 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 an initiative in your neighborhood? I think that's really important. You know, it's really funny because um, one of my deals is, you know, I'm a product of my my time and culture. And I read a lot of stuff from the 1800s. And so Ian Bounds's quote comes to mind where he said, you know, men are always looking for methods, but God is looking for men. But my wife would bust my skull over that because she's <laughs> and women. And, you know, so, so maybe if we modernize that quote, it'd be, you know, uh, people are always looking for programs, but God is looking yeah. for people. And I love the fact that you're like, look, this is not prescriptive. This isn't, hey, this is what we did in this neighborhood, and this is going to fit your context. Um, I love that you guys are sensitive to what God might want to do in your neighborhood. Tell us a little bit of your story of how you got into community development, because obviously, I've, I've you know, when, when we have a guest on, we kind of check out everything you're involved in. And so I was looking into thresholds and, you know, watch some of the videos and check that stuff out. Tell us a little bit about, you know, what was your journey into this? How did you get involved with uh, these types of ministries? Yeah, it's interesting. My history, my, my family lineage, I come from a missionary family. So my grandparents were 
lifer, lifelong missionaries international, as were my parents. And we grew up in a community culture. So I was basically surrounded in a very ecumenical setting by um, folks who'd, you know, felt this sense of call to move to, I grew up in Tokyo, Japan. So their call was to go and immerse within a culture and participate in what God was doing um, in that place and how Jesus was um, bringing people into this sense of, of God, which was really countercultural in a very Shinto Buddhist setting. So you had to become someone who knew how to exegete culture, who knew how to listen well, who knew how to, allow for um, lots and lots of mistakes along the way and ask forgiveness and mutual learning. And you had to be in it for the long haul. So then I moved to the U.S. and uh, I went to Azusa Pacific University and then to Fuller Seminary and began to explore, um, you know, topics. I began, my husband was a pastor and actually we were in Los Angeles and we were trying really hard. I was leading the kind of outreach, you know, portion of our church how do we reach reach the city do outreach programs you know help the poor we were being obedient to the commission of god to um, make disciples and to care for the poor and the alien the widow and we were trying so hard and what was really difficult is that we all came from this wide uh, geographical span and people's um, limitations because we really weren't sharing life together and we had um, we had distance against us and i'm not you know obviously again i am by saying this again i'm not an i'm not advocating for a particular methodology as you're as you're as you stated earlier or a, a, a particular um you know uh blueprint for this is the way we should do church but rather i think just in my own story my own convictions i became i became curious about what could we do to actually um I became curious about spiritual formation. So more so, how is God forming us? And what would it look like if we really came together as a committed community and devoted ourselves to being formed and participating in how God is altering the world, one person, one neighborhood, one street at a time. So the, this was just my own journey. So we moved to San Diego, um, urban San Diego, in a specific neighborhood um, a good eight years ago now. And so much has happened. I mean, our stories, we treasure our stories and they're still, I think, being written. But in a lot of ways, I feel like we're just beginning. Uh, so we help, we help people. We help churches. We help leaders. We help individuals. We help um, organizations who are, who are wanting to know, you know, how do we really, on a, on a, on a life-on-life, um, authentic kind of spirit, be, being formed spiritually, how do we are engage what God is doing uniquely in this place. Um, so that's kind of how my story began with um, just a curiosity of what would it look like if, if the church were more, more devoted to both um, community with one another, particularly in a geographical space. Um, and, and that that was out of a posture of both being altered by God in a particular place as well as understanding that God is that that our presence there actually we get to participate in the world altering work of God in this I would almost say this macro movement of of um, of individuals coming together in neighborhoods everywhere so that's 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 been my passion and I think that's what kind of has stimulated the, the book so really in a way it's it's kind of joining God on mission 
than what he's already doing. And it's entering into that slipstream. That's kind of what you guys feel like happening. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And then, and then that, that's, then it's an inspiring uh, thing to say. I mean, I think that that's been something that's been a passion and, you know, just that becomes the motivator for me. And I think for a lot of church planters of great, we're going to go join God. God's already doing something. God's out ahead of us. How do we enter in? But it's that how question that we're all still asking. And I I do find that, um, you know, weekly, if not daily, the probably number one question that people ask me is, okay, what do I do next? So I'm a coach, I'm a coach, I'm a leadership coach. And most, a lot of times I am coaching church planters and they're, they can't help but ask, what's the next step I'm supposed to take? What do I do? What, how do I get, you know, I, I know, I, I know what I want to see happen, but how do I do it? So, um, so one of the things we, yeah. we often, you know, Christiana, what we do is we, we, we talk, we're really good at talkers and right. modern ministry produces talkers. And you look at the first century, they were doers. And mm-hmm. when, so like yesterday I was at a, at a, at a meeting and at the end, you know, cause the guys were asking very, I, I, my iPad died. So I really didn't have my notes, which was cool anyways, because I, I want to get to the Q&A at, at, when I'm talking. And the, 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 one of the guys there, he sat, he sat back and I was with a buddy. He's like, I know that dude. And I think he's an amazing leader. But the guy sat back and said, I don't have any clue what I'm doing. Yeah. And, and when you get to that kind of vulnerability where, where leaders are able to say, okay, Krishnana, you know, how do I alter my world? Like, I really, I'm, I'm doing the thing. I'm going through the motions. I'm, 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 you know, I'm running a service or I've planted this church, you know, I, I, I launched this thing, but I'm really not impacting anyone around me. Here comes the golden million dollar question that uh, I know you can't wait for me to ask. How do we alter our world? Oh, is this the one? Is this the one I've been waiting (laughs) for? This is the one. This is just, you know, spoiler alert. Here it comes. (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, let's see. How provocative can I be, you know, to hit it back at you? Um, well, you know, I actually would say stop trying to alter your world. <laughs> so stop trying to alter your world and uh, instead um, learn learn what it means to authentically live the life you were meant to live. And I think that's what Jesus invited us into. So this life we were meant to live is a full engagement in all that Jesus um, showed us and all that we were made to be. So it's a, it's a, it's this, um, I love what David Benner says is the closer we come to understanding ourselves, the closer we come to God and the closer we come to understanding God, the closer we come to understanding ourselves. And that that is a lifelong process. And I think we'll find that along the way we will, we will get to be a part of altering the world when we are living our authentic true selves and we're following Jesus into the unknown, which looks completely different. So let me quickly say in this, in our book, we um, introduced, the metaphor of um, of the midwife. So we say, if you can imagine, and this is a very biblical metaphor. Um, in in Isaiah, the, the prophet speaks of God art, uh, articulating this desire to see to see rescue, to see newness, to see the new um, creation come. It says, I I'm groaning like a woman in labor, um, birthing this new world. So if God is birthing the new creation all around us, within us, in our places, 
what does it look like for us to attend in the birth? And the, the midwife of the metaphor allows us to, to see that we, um, we get to attend into birth in, in something that has never been done before. So every birth is unique and new. What God is doing in your particular, particular place is brand new, fresh and new. And you, you, uh, your person, your leadership, your congregation, you actually contribute to something brand new. Um, but the pressure is off. It's God doing the birthing mm-hmm. and we're the ones attending. That's rad. And then you'll find you get to be a part of altering the world. I want to hear some stories where you felt like yeah. that. Because I literally took an Uber ride the other day and I have never led an Uber driver to Christ. Mm-hmm. And I walked in like to the slipstream, like literally it was like an Ethiopian pulling up in a chariot going, Hey, exposit Isaiah 53 easiest evangelistic exchange I've just about ever had. And the guy just wanted to talk about Jesus and he was Chinese and he said, God had been talking to him. He didn't know what to do with it. And he didn't believe in Christianity because he had met a lot of Christians (laughs) since he'd been here. But it it was amazing. And exactly what you're saying, like I, I was grumpy. I didn't even want to talk to the guy. I don't want to talk to anyone because I've been up since four in the morning, hopped a train to Burbank and uh, taking an Uber. And it was literally like the Lord was like, hey, man, I, I exactly what you said. Just need you to show up. But I'm here. I'm working in this dude's life and, you know, want you to be a part of it. And I got that blessing. Tell me some stories because I know you're in San Diego. Um, tell me some stories about your neighborhood. Where, where have you encountered God preempting you and saying, Hey, you know, I'm here and I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. And don't try so hard. I'm doing all the heavy lifting. Right, right, right. And I, I will, I would love to, I mean, of course it's, it's always, um, you know, telling, telling stories, I think is, is, um, it's the gift we offer each other. Uh, and, and I, and I, what I love, my favorite is when my neighbors, um, tell the stories for us. So when we find, um, <clears throat> I would say I was recently, one of my friends was going through, a neighbor is going through um, an enormous tragedy. And I, and she's here in my backyard. And um, I, you know, I, I, could, I could tell, and through the metaphor, you know, God's birthing something in her life. God's doing something in her life. And by the way, she's um, very spiritual, not a Christian. And she began to describe this chaos and it was coming at her from every angle. And I just asked her if I could pray for her. And it, and it, 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 it I, I could, I could feel in my, in my spirit, you know, this almost the spirit saying like, attend to what I'm doing in her life. Mm-hmm. So it's not me coming at her saying, okay, great. I need to, you know, she's my project. I'm going to now save her. I'm going to, you know, I have a strategy for what I'm going to tell her so that she can X, Y, Z, you know, say the prayer and come to Jesus. But rather the posture uh, was, Oh, Whoa. I, like you described in the, in the, in the Uber, you know, like this, this almost just revelatory moment, God's doing something in her life. Mm-hmm. So I asked her if I could pray. And what I did was I prayed um, and she's open to prayer as, as you know, in our context, a, a very um, spiritual urban um, context. 
Yeah. I don't use sinners, sinners prayers, by the way. It's, it's funny because we're probably similar on that to me. I read the new Testament. I'm like, yeah, baptism kind of, we didn't, we didn't baptize him right then, but, uh, but he was asking all the questions like, man, I, you know, I want to surrender. Like he was just, I don't know, man, it was weird. It was like the stuff you read about for a missionary. Amazing. You know, it was like, these no, I know what you mean. Rock and roll like, stories, man. <laughs> totally, and you feel like you feel like you're you're like ah, oh, you know the. I, I think like just that pressure. That's what I. That's what I. I hope that we all, we all get to let release. You know, releasing that pressure and yep. know if we really are present and like you said, we show up. God's going to do things and going to do things beyond what we could ask or imagine. So in mm-hmm. this story, I and this is I. It's funny that this is the story that came to my mind, but. You know, I think maybe this is what I meant to tell. Um, But I asked her if I could pray. And again, a lot of prayer in our context, you know, you may, it's an emptying prayer or you may ask for an energy or even a divine presence. And I said, you know, I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to ask if it's okay. I'm going to ask for the spirit of Jesus uh, to, to be, um, I'm going to pray in the name of what I would say, the authority of a spirit. And that is the spirit of Jesus. She was very open to it. We prayed and I asked her, you know, what are you experiencing? What are you hearing? So I trusted that, Oh, maybe God could speak to her. And she is the one who said, I, wow, I've, I think, I think this spirit Jesus that you talk about is the spirit of peace. And I said, yes, he is. This is the spirit of peace. So this woman, so this, this is not a, um, you know, rah, 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 let's, you know, conversion story. This is an ongoing long-term story. But this woman, she, when she introduces people to to me, to people, she calls me her pastor. Mm. When she refers to my house, she calls it a um, sanctuary. She calls it, she basically calls our home home um the place she says if i you know when i need spiritual um strength or and she's the one who speaks of jesus as the giver of peace and i didn't even have to tell her that she's never she's never read those passages you know and god is birthing something in her life i believe it and i and i will and i'm devoted to her forever so so that's Mm -hmm. you know Though there's countless stories like that, other stories where even, you know, I think sometimes it's, it's that tension that some of us feel, maybe some of us are more, you know, bold evangelists and others of us are just trying to figure out what the heck are we supposed to say in the moment. Um, And what it, what I've often found as well is, um, you know, times when I'm trying to be careful and not like over evangelize, it's those moments when I, when, when the, the, the people in my life actually respond back to me and ask me, why didn't you tell me? Well, what does your Bible say about this? Yeah. And then we go to the Bible and I'm convicted thinking, man, I had to wait for them to ask me. And maybe that's not so bad, especially when I'm just embracing my own limitations and my own insecurities and my own personality. And, um, and I'm working out my own salvation and, yeah. and, and all of that. You know? So yeah. on another yeah, and on, on another level, you know, there, there, these are the individual stories. And then when we look at systemic injustice, um, which often feels overwhelming, um, this is incredibly helpful because there's about a million and one things that we could do, me individually and us as a community, to participate in, in the restorative work that God's doing in our neighborhood. And mm-hmm. as we become better listeners, the Spirit actually leads us not only in 
what mission or cause to participate or champion in according to our passions and gifts and where God's leading us, but also this keen sense of wisdom on what, what to do, what is our place and how do we champion the values of Jesus in this place? Yeah, I love that. And you know, it's funny because my story is that I actually quit ministry before I planted my first church. And it happened accidentally. I was just leading a reading group in Starbucks. And it was, you know, I didn't want to be a pastor anymore. I was like, I'm done. Your people suck. And, uh, you know, I'm tired of trying to reach people, you know, fighting through Christians. What was interesting was prior to that, um, because I had really started to experience kind of what you're talking about where God's like, hey, I'm here. I feel often like Jacob, where Jacob, you know, he, he puts his head on that rock. And he wakes up and he goes, surely God is in this place. And I didn't know it. Or like when Jesus, you know, God is in the house already. I walked into this lady's house. We threw a barbecue and um, this couple stopped by and he was on drugs and she was drunk. And they got in this rip roaring fight. First time we'd ever met these neighbors and this in Europe. And we're like, wow, we'll never see them again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, went and knocked on their door, just kept praying for him, knocked on their door. And we walked into her house and she had been a recluse for about 12 years. Mm -hmm. And I walked in and the spirit of God was so thick in that room. You could have cut it with a knife. Now I was a, a a well-mannered, you know, pasty white evangelical reformed boy and this completely bucked against my theology. And it shouldn't have because it was so biblical. Like it was literally like a Cornelius experience. But I remember being scandalized like, hey, I bring this. I'm the missionary. I bring this. Mm. And no, God was like, hey, man, you've been playing in the whitewash. You don't really understand how big I am and that I love these people. And, and, And I'm working. It's like when Jesus said, Father, I praise you. You've revealed these things to babes and you are working. And have been working till now. God is working. This is what I love about your message, Christiana, is God's working so much harder than us. We don't have to work that hard. Like, we really don't. You know, and I love that that's something that you're, you're bringing to the, to, the, to the conversation and to the church at large. Um, tell me, what, is, what does church look like? Because you talked about embodying the values of Christ in your community. What does church look like for you? For, for me, um, it is, uh, it's a group of people. We've all, um, committed to live out our spirituality and our discipleship within, um, the context of our shared neighborhoods. So we all have jobs. Some, most of us work maybe in close proximity, but a lot of times out of the neighborhood, I travel a little bit here and there. Um, but our life, our embedded life is in this neighborhood together. So we, um, when we, when we, when we joined the church, we, we all said, what would it look like if we, um, loved Golden Hill together? So, uh, we gather once a week for worship and reflection, studying scripture for, and for a common meal. We come together also another time in the week for prayer, and often prayer for us looks either like a liturgy or sometimes a prayer walk, sometimes specific prayer for specific people, um, sometimes healing prayer and listening prayer. We kind of experiment with different forms of prayer. Um, and on that night, we have another shared meal. So we have two shared meals a week. And then um, we are all in. Um, so this is a part of our commitment. So big, big 
thing value for us is promise making and promise keeping. So we have mm-hmm. ways that we actually hold each other to um, our commitments that are not, it's not commitment for commitment's sake. It's commitment because we, we, we have a, a sense of call together to be mm-hmm. the church together. Um, so we, uh, we meet together in pairs or triads about every other week, um, mostly just sort of checking in on each other's, heart and soul and how are we doing in our um in our in our own discipleship and then we're all participating in some way depending on capacity life stage we're a really mixed group as far as um age range and life stage so we are participating in some way shape in some form of service volunteer um it it really looks different we don't prescribe what it looks like for us to be um quote unquote doing ministry. So uh, one of one of our my community mates is um, a nurse, but an off an, an off the clock nurse. And um, she is a pastor of this neighborhood. On all her off hours, she basically meets with people to help process their health struggles and help them find resources. And in that she's become um, a spiritual friend and a pastor to many. I love um, it. Or an, yeah, I mean, we, I can kind of go down the line and you name different people. For me, more recently, my kid's school, which is our neighborhood school, has been just this unbelievable space of, um, of joining God. And um, I, I like systemic, I, I like getting involved in, at systemic levels. And so um, this actually, the next last few months has been um, really contending for some areas of justice and need um, and resourcing for our school at a district level. And I'll say like the amount of, I think God's breakthrough or favor that we've seen happen that's impacting the kids of our neighborhood. And our neighborhood is a, we're a title one school. We have a lot of under-resourced families and, um, and I alongside mostly non-Christian parents who are also care about their kids, I'm getting to together. Um, and they know that I'm coming at this from a, a faith perspective because we could all leave, you know, we could, we, we don't have to stay at the school, but we feel this sense that God is, um, you know, has, has called us here and called us to love well here and not, not just because of our kids, but because of all the kids. So that's just one example, I think. So that's, that's church for me, you know, and, and it even goes beyond that because we're connected with other churches in the, in the neighborhood as well as outside the neighborhood. We're um, so, so, you know, we do have our gathering space and our, and, and kind of our formality as far as how we are a, a congregating um, group, but um, how the church looks on a day to day. And it actually evolves and shifts as people, new people come and we actually send people out, especially when they sense called to maybe even start another community or, um, or maybe join another mission endeavor somewhere else. So, That's yeah. cool. We, yeah, Very cool. We, we have a lot of people who will come and join us for a season who are really burnt out from um, some of the forms of churches that haven't necessarily been uh, as satisfying. And so a lot of times we get to help people re-heal and reimagine what church could be for them um, yeah. without, without being deconstructive. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good because um, different churches have their strengths and different, but what I think yeah. every church needs what every church needs and what you're hitting on is a passion of mine. That is every believer activated in their gifts, serving Mm -hmm. in, in what makes them come alive and what they're passionate about. And I think that 
that that's the weakness. When, when you harness that, that's kind of it. I always tell people that Acts 2.42 is what it looks like when, you know, people are activated in, in their gifts. It's, that's, it's that simple. And, and, and we try to run programs and we try to, and that's not going to do it. It's, you're never going to have that until, like you said, that nurse, the, you know, people are just activated and, you know, just letting Christ just live through them. And I, and I think that's the key. So, hey, this has been awesome. Um, I have our special question for you, which uh, is... Um, cause you know, you said your parents were missionaries. So normally we ask you how you came mm-hmm. to faith. And of course you okay. weren't a Christian cause your parents were missionaries. You were a holy baby. Right. Exactly. And, um, you know, uh, came out of the womb. Never, never wavered. Never wavered. Yes. Yes. Of course. All that. But here's <laughs> our question. And, and this is tricky because, uh, normally, um, it, you know, we're, we're, we're asking men this cause men like these kind of questions. Um, but, but if you yeah, watch out, watch out, Peyton. I know I got to be careful, right? Um, but but, but I, I I am an equal opportunity podcaster, so okay. this could either you be offensive or not offensive <laughs> at all. So <laughs> darned if I do and darned if I don't. But here's the deal: if you were to get into a physical fist fight with Jin <laughs> Hatmaker, okay. I just threw a name out there. Ah, oh gosh. <laughs> This is, I can't believe you're asking this violent question. <laughs> I told you, you know it's offensive do? no matter what. You know what we would do? <laughs> we would, uh, we would, uh, we would throw a few punches and then we would do a really incredible high five and we would say, Hey, come on, what are we doing? Let's, let's get, let's get to work. Let's go, let's go alter the world together. That's what we would do. Let's be peacemakers. Do. Come on. Let's, let's make peace right here. <laughs> Yeah, because I was. We, I also was going to have you fight. Yeah, I was going to have you fight <laughs> Deb Hirsch too, and then I thought, no, it's a little too close to home. She's probably close to her. So, um, but yeah, yeah. yeah so I am a little younger and stronger, but she, I don't know. I think she'd out, she'd outwit me, and she definitely, she'd, she'd definitely slap me, slap me around a bit. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, and that's cool because that's what we're looking for. I told you there was a little bit of smack in that last question. That's the smack talk we're looking for. So that is really good. So ding, ding, ding. You're welcome. You know, You're welcome. I could have had you fight Michael, but here's the thing about Frosty, right? I'd like, win. I definitely yes. win in that game. Yeah, see, and I knew you were gonna say that. Here's the thing is is we know he's a lover, not a fighter, but he's he kind of seems like the gangster, you know, like the like, like he, oh, yeah. like a bone crusher. If he hadn't come to faith, you know, he'd be he's like the Godfather for sure. The Godfather, yeah, totally. You would, you would literally see him in a dark alley, and he'd be like the fixer, you know. So, we decided that, you know, yeah. But I knew you'd say you could take him, but uh, yeah. if he's your co-author, it's kind of not cool for me to ask that. But at least <laughs> we all know podcasters, you know, audience out there, we all know who would win, right? It, it would be yeah, we all know. We all know. yeah, we, we all know. Okay. Well, great. Hey, if uh, guys, the, the book is to alter your world. And if you guys want to get in touch uh, with Christiana, what's the best place they could track you down? You mo- I would go to the um, Thresholds website and um, that's kind of an easy space to get a hold of me. Of course, Facebook, Twitter, um, got an Instagram account. And, um, and then, and then as far as um, the, the book continuing, continuing with the book, Mike Frost, 
has um, his his blog, and um, in that space, he's, there's a lot of ongoing content that I think is has been a help and a blessing to people. Awesome. Well, great. Again, to alter your world, you can pick that up anywhere books are sold. And uh, Christiana, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. All right. Guys, this has been Hardcore Church Planting. Our guest has been Christiana Rice. Arnold, sign us out. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planting. Hardcore Church Planting has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.